Welcome to the Health to Vitality podcast, where we stop struggling to be healthy and empower ourselves to create vitality. I'm your host, Matthew Labosco. In today's episode, I am joined with a dear friend and colleague, Josh Guerrero. Let me tell you a little bit about Josh. Josh earned a psychology degree with an emphasis on behavioral neuroscience from California State University North, an Associates of Arts degree in social and behavioral science, an Associates of Science degree in physical and biological science, and an MBA from Pepperdine University. Josh has spent his first part of his life serving his country as an anti-terrorism specialist in the U.S. Navy and deployed later for the Department of Defense and Homeland Security. After serving in the Navy, Josh started his own business as a coach and consultant and is currently pursuing his nursing degree. In this episode, you will hear us discussing why you shouldn't be striving to be mentally healthy and the dangers of pursuing mental health. We share and discuss our experiences learning and growing together over the last 10 years throughout our deep dives in the study of psychology, personal development, neuroscience, and coaching. Specifically, we will be sharing what we have found to be the three most dangerous frameworks that are currently practiced and promoted in many personal development circles and give you scientifically grounded principles and tools that will empower and partner you with yourself to live a life of vitality. Enjoy. All right. Well, my man, Josh here. Thanks so much for being with us on the uh, second health to vitality podcast ever created and to the millions of people that are listening right now. Um, I'm sure you want to say hello to all of them. <laughs> it's an honor to be here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Josh, I'd, I'd love to, you know, just get started by, by telling everybody for you to tell everybody a little bit about yourself and we're going to get into how we met our story um, and how we've known each other now for about eight or nine years and, and how you've played such a, in, incredible role in on my journey, especially over the last eight years of helping me to kind of complete this trilogy of vitality that I've been working on for 20 years. And you really came into my life at the perfect time and helped to formulate that last piece of the trilogy, which was this kind of psych psychological mindset, um, mental health, which we're going to talk about here. Um, but I'd love for people to get a little bit of better idea of who you are and where you came from and just a little bit about yourself and then we'll tell uh, a little bit about our story. So who are you, man? In like a couple minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for saying the last part. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, basically um, my, what I'm doing now is a multitude of things, but um, I'm loving the psych psychological literature and doing research and understanding everything, mindset, mental, all the kind of stuff in that space. And um, more recently, understanding the deeper complexities that are making what I'm seeing most out there in the personal development realm, not helpful to people, or these toxic pursuits um, that aren't helpful for people. And basically, what got me here was, you know, experiencing some early childhood adversity, and not wanting, I was not, an, I was not a child who was early interested in meditation, spirituality, psych psychology, I was very avoidant of it. Um, and, but then starting to research it, I definitely wanted to understand why certain things were they were they were. So then boom, started reading books, going to conferences, whatever. Um, and then went to school for psych and then was playing this game on, should I go the education route or the personal development route? And I kind of chose personal development after the undergrad. Um, 
And, but now I'm back on the other side of realizing, you know, how important research is and making sure that what I'm saying and communicating to the world is actually rooted in evidence, not just anecdotal personal experience. Um, but yeah, so uh, the journey continues. Yeah, no doubt, man. And I think our, our journeys parallel in so many ways there, especially um, thinking about being younger and having any interest in meditation or spirituality or psych- psychology, but there's always been a thread. It's kind of funny how you said that for me as well of always being interested in, wait, why would somebody do that? Or how did somebody get there? I most recently was telling somebody, you know, I, I kind of had this weird obsession with understanding serial killers at a point in time. Like I was just mm-hmm. like, how does somebody get to the point where that's okay? Or that makes sense. Right. And so there's always been that thread of interest. Um, and, you know, a lot of people that um, are getting to know me and maybe have read my book. This has been a journey that I've been on for 20 years of trying to understand how to really get the most life out of life. And one of those pieces you can't avoid, which is the mindset and psychology thing. So I want to talk a little bit about how we got together, how we met, um, you know, we, we actually bumped into each other, uh, at a, at a personal developing weekend conference. Right. Mm -hmm. And somebody was, I think people were simultaneously coming up to me and saying, dude, you got to meet this guy, Josh. And then those same people, I guess, were coming up to you and saying, dude, you got to meet this guy. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Am I remembering this correctly? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And so we, we, we met, we decided to get together. Um, we sat in my little office in Pasadena. I'll never forget it. And we just hit it off gangbusters. Um, just talked. I don't even know for how long. And I just remember at the end of that conversation, us looking at each other, we're like, well, I have no idea what any of this means, but I feel like someday in the future we'll be working together. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And fast forward, here we are. But, but, you know, I, I definitely, you know, I jumped into a personal development uh, company for a while and, you know, you kind of watched as I was doing it. And I know you were, you were kind of dipping your foot into, into the work of this particular organization, but I know there was a lot of trepidation there and you were like, I don't know, Matt, I don't know. Some yellow flags, some yellow flags. And I'm like, no, man, like, you know, we can do a thing. This can make it, we can make it happen here. And, you know, finally, I, I guess I twisted your arm hard enough, or I, I guess, you, and again, I don't want you to put words in your mouth, but you saw, you saw that I, you seem, it seemed like I was making a difference and able to make an impact. And you're like, all right, well, if Matt can leverage this, um, I'm going to go for it. Right. And so you jumped in all in gangbusters, you know, cause that's how I know you and I do things. We don't go half ass. And, um, you know, uh, I guess one way to put it is we learned a lot uh, through the process. Um, and one of the things I think that that we learned and that kind of solidified my journey was a little bit of what I found in those other spaces of, we'll call it fitness, physical rehabilitation, which is where my journey started, and then diving into the nutrition and systemic health. And then that deep, deep dive that you and I both took in personal development um, I kind of saw, and we saw, especially, um, with this deep dive, we took that the traditional model of mental health and personal development, um, like the other spaces I mentioned, fitness, rehabilitation, nutrition, systemic, number one, they were never going to create an empowered individual that was capable of creating what I think of as fulfillment and vitality in their life. 
But what it seemed to create in all three areas was dependency on the system. And, um, you know, basically when we discovered this together and you really helped me see it, um, you know, and we'll talk about, you know, willful blindness a little bit tonight, because it's definitely something that I know I got sucked into. Um, it's like, Hey man, you know, I think, I think, I think we need to, we need to take a look at this and, and maybe, you know, move in another direction. So we decided to leave, um, you know, and we started our own thing last year, but fill in any holes there or anything you want to add to that. Cause I know. Yeah. So an experience for us. Yeah. I mean, I'd say uh, probably roughly six years prior to um, joining the organization, I was going into full blast into a bunch of other organizations or trying to launch myself into something. I definitely want to be a part of a team and kind of learn, 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 learn. And then every time I got kind of behind the curtain of an organization, things wouldn't sit right. I would notice things. I'm like, but that's not what you said. And that's, I hear what you're saying here, but I'm also hearing what you're telling them and they don't match. And so um, I just kept, I would basically disengage and move on. And I was at a pretty frustrating point in the journey where I was like, all right, I'm going to freaking do this myself, even though I'm still wet behind the ears and pretty ignorant to a lot of things. Um, And that this organization was like, all right, maybe this one's different. You know what I mean? But there's, again, there was these yellow flags and uh, kind of let, but I was also trying to train humility at that point in my life. It's like, you're a student, you're a student, you're a student. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe I just don't know. And I kind of did engage in this narrative framing, which also blinded me to certain things, which is if you don't understand, if you don't get what's happening, you don't agree with what's happening. It's because you don't understand. Mm-hmm. I found myself saying, I don't understand all the time. Right. And it's like, okay, well, I'm just a student. I'm just a student. And that's my form of willful blindness. I, I could have seen things and I chose not to yeah. um, through this narrative. And, you know, um, I think I, you know, I saw what, saw what you were doing. I saw the help and, you know, you helped me at different many times throughout that journey. And then, you know, as we got closer and closer and deeper and deeper, the flags just kept popping up. Um, and it got to the point where I started trusting myself again and lowering the narratives to try to see things, um, basically without any narrative and try to look at it as objectively as possible. And I had, you know, I had all this experience to compare and contrast things with. I knew a lot of people that I knew that were in the organization, it, this was their own thing, their, their only thing, mm-hmm. their only experience in this work. So there's no compare contrast. It's like whatever they're told is what they got. Yeah. Well, I've had all these different frameworks I get to compare and contrast things. And it that's how things just were not making sense anymore. Right. And so, not to mention like, like just absolute biological, fundamental, psychological principles that are at play that are pretty well accepted across the board that were never acknowledged nor integrated into any of what was happening. Right. And I know that was the big thing. I know you shine a light on for me. Um, and, you know, and I have a psychology background. I mean, I have a degree in psychology as well and and have studied neuroscience, et cetera. And it was just kind of cool when you kind of brought that back into my awareness and really put a spotlight on it. And I'm like, Oh my God, man, like, yeah, there's so many things that don't make sense here. Um, and, really what we want to talk about here um, is so what, we're, what we kind of have identified. And, and for those of you that read my book, it's in the book, the three major destructive flaws to, we'll just say the traditional model of personal development, things that we have seen create more, uh, I'll, I'll say more of a dependency and a handicap when executed at a high level. And I would say we witnessed, and I'll speak for myself, Josh, I went all in on these principles and took them all the way to the extreme 
um, and really got to a place that we're going to talk about here in a second that really wasn't where I was intending to go. Um, and, and it was because of the way, and this is out there in the personal development space, right? I mean, this is across the board of things that, 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 that will, that are going to basically fit two criteria. One, like I said, they'll never create empowerment for an individual. Like I, that was one of the big reasons why I think we decided to opt out is we didn't feel like people were being empowered with these principles and ideas. Um, and, and not only were they not being empowered to be fulfilled and, and vital on their own, but they were also kind of becoming very dependent on the model. Like I said, very similar to the fitness and the nutrition systemic space. And so we want to talk about three things here um, in, in this in this episode that right now I would say you and I, Josh, have been playing with all year in our courses and our classes, and we've been geeking out about this stuff in a very intense way over the last year and really diving into some of these biological and psychological foundational principles. Um, but there's three things that we've identified that are really very destructive frameworks that are widely accepted and widely practiced in the personal development space. Yeah. Yep. I'm in. Anything good. to add there, man? No, no, I think it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk about all of it. <laughs> yeah, I know you are. That's why you're here. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Well, so the number one thing I wanted to, ch to, to talk about is this idea in the personal development space that the goal is to access and or embody some positive emo emotion, like the goal is to be joyful. The goal is to be peaceful. The goal is to embody love, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm focused on. And, and sometimes it can even be heard as I just want to, to raise my vibration of love. And that's my focus. That's my goal. It's basically the, the destination, the place we're trying to get is an emotion is, is a positive emotion. Right. And so talk mm -hmm. to me a little bit about this and we'll just, we'll definitely talk about this is what's the first thing that comes to your mind as to why that's not a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's a horrible idea, but <laughs> um, I guess it'd be good to start with explaining why it's an attractive idea for most people. Right. Um, and I would, you know, there's one metaphor that I think is in, in your book and I'll, I'll use a different metaphor that just popped in my head. Um, just to give, if anyone read the book, a different perspective of it, if your goal is like ultimate peace and happiness, if I develop those from a pharmaceutical approach and I can give them to you, the downfalls, I'm going to lock you in a box until you die. Um, but until you, and I'll feed you, I'll put IVs for fluids, things like that, but I'm gonna give you the pills so that you can be in a constant maximal state of peace and happiness until you die. Like how amazing does that sound to be guaranteed the exact thing you want to the highest degree forever. It's like not attractive to anybody. It's like, okay, well, there's something missing, right? But I think what got us onto this path is if I'm pursuing something that's intrinsically meaningful to me, um, let's say like raising a family and I'm at the beach on vacation with my family, I'm taking it all in, what am I going to feel? Happy, connected. And it's like, oh, I actually don't care about my family. I care about happiness and connection. And that's the flaw. It's like, no, that is a byproduct that you're on track with the things that are meaningful it is a communication system that this was worth it. Right. But to arbitrarily think that your family has nothing to do with it biologically, the, the fact that you're a social mammal over hundreds of thousands of years have nothing ingrained in your DNA, that family means anything to you. It's arbitrary. Family is a social construct. Right. Everyone's the same. Life is meaningless. We just have, you know what I mean? It's, it doesn't make any sense from a biological perspective to pursue 
emotions because then it does if it doesn't happen we have to keep changing our goals to artificially keep the happiness going yeah right it's like a new goal it's like what's your goal exactly where i am it's like no it's not but you keep changing it to keep the happiness going right yeah and and i i I like how you you started us with when would this be attractive to people pursuing a positive emotion and i and i would say that one of the places where you know, because there might be someone listening to this who could be in this position of like, well, gosh, man, right now I would, I, I would do anything just to know peace. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, man, like just, 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 and, and what I hear when people are in that place is they're, they're in a position of pain mm-hmm. and we'll just use the catch all phrase stressed out. And so I kind of picture somebody who's just trying to keep their head above water try to get a grasp of air. So someone who's, who's drowning, so to speak, metaphorically. Yeah. The, the, the highest, you know, mark they could possibly come up with is just to breathe, just, Mm -hmm. just to not struggle. And so I don't want to diminish people that might be in that position and say, well, peace isn't what you want. No, I get why that's the mark you're trying to hit because right now you're in pain. But mm-hmm. a lot of times what I have found, Josh, is that a lot of people will will name the absence of pain joy, mm-hmm. right? And so, if, and so they focus on eliminating pain. And if there's no pain, they're like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm happy because I'm not in any pain, mm-hmm. right? And that's not a sustainable space to be because if I'm only trying to, that's the other downside to, I need to get positive emotion. Well, the other side of that coin is avoid negative emotion, mm-hmm. Right. And what we're doing, and we're going to talk about here in a little bit is emotion is ne- has never been in what was never intended to be the destination, mm-hmm. right? And the way you put it again, perfect. When we're pursuing things that are meaningful, when we're, when we're engaged in life in a meaningful way, we're engaging in things that have purpose to us. The byproduct of that is fulfillment and Good old Viktor Frankl taught us that when we align with meaning, we also have the resiliency to overcome challenges mm-hmm. at levels that few people access without that meaning. To, to your point, it's worth the struggle to fulfill the thing because it's meaningful to me, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah. So can you talk a little bit about kind of how avoiding negative emotion, how that kind of plays into this as not really ideal here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, another metaphor is if we, if we think of emotion as a communication system to let us know when we're on track or off track towards a valued goal. Um, it's almost like me saying, Hey Matt, you're a good person. It's like, how is that? You like that type of communication? You're like, I like it when people tell me I'm a good person. That feels good, man. Yeah. Thanks. Right. Yeah. And so if I say you're highly deceitful, manipulative and untrustworthy, it's like, you wouldn't like that. But it would be wrong for you to go, I want to create a life where I don't hear that communication. It's like, that's not the goal, but I get why you're saying that to the point where it's like, if you're in pain and you want peace, I get why you're saying that, but you're missing the complexity of pursuit, right? So if someone says, I just want to find people to tell me that I'm a good person. I get why that's occurring to you, but what you actually want is to be a good person. Yes. Right? So important so, distinction that, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, of course. Like someone goes like, I just want... of my life to be happy. I just want this much reduction of pain. It's like, I get why that's occurring to you. Just like when you're in high degrees of negative emotion or high degrees of any emotion, 
we resort to categorical thinking, either or drowning or not drowning, peace or ple- you know pain or pleasure, right? But it, it completely eliminates the ability to see the complexities of life, right? We're extremely complex creatures. And so the avoidance of negative emotion forces us to live in with drapes around us, with this artificial reality, with these narratives that tell us we're exactly where we want to be or we're going towards the thing without being in touch with reality. So we become more, the, the more we focus our pursuits on emotion, the more dissociated we become over time from reality, right? And the reason why we dissociate from reality is because we've cut off a feedback loop that connects us to reality. Is that? Yeah, yeah. So basic. That? So basically the emotional system works is you have to have a goal. Like we're aiming creatures, right? And so it's like, I have to think of like, ooh, that sounds cool. It's like, if, if we're working with a client, say, what are your goals? Well, I don't have any. It's like, well, think of something. If tomorrow were better than today, what would happen tomorrow? You're like, well, I'd eat something. It's like, ah, how do you feel right there? It's like, I feel good. That's the anticipation of something that's meaningful to you that you want. But I'm like, hey, why don't you go to Disneyland? You're like, I don't like Disneyland. Okay, cool. Erase that goal. What would you like to do? You're like, well, actually, it's like, ah, right there. What did you feel? That's dopamine. It's the anticipation of something that's meaningful to you. So once you have a goal, dopamine is a precursor to norepinephrine, which is what we need to act in the world, to manifest the goal and bring it to us, to make it a reality. And the second you do that, having the orientation towards a goal is what enrolls the emotional system. It's what orients the emotional system to work properly. If we don't name the goal, the goals are just, we have thousands of arbitrary goals through social media, marketing, whatever. It's like, ooh, I want that, ooh, I want that. But they're not real. But then it's high negative emotion because it's like, oh, that person's a Lamborghini. Well, now I feel negative emotion because I don't have that. It's like, but that's not your actual goal. So you need a goal to orientate you, right? And then once you move forward, your hippocampus detects progress. If you're making progress, it's it inhibits the subcortical emotional system, so you don't really feel anything, or a slight positive emotion to move you forward. If it detects that you're off track, which is like, I want to go to New York, and it detects I'm going to Hawaii, that's a mismatch. That's negative emotion, which says, hey, you're off track. It's like a smoke alarm in your house. I don't care if it's faulty. I don't care what caused it, but something is wrong. Something is off based off your orientation. And so what most people are doing with emotion is it's like, well, I'm going to Hawaii and I'm experiencing negative emotion. Well, I don't want to experience negative emotion. So what am I doing to rectify the negative emotion? Well, I can try to breathe. And that helps a little bit. The negative emotion goes away. And guess what tomorrow happens? It comes back because I'm still in Hawaii. So what can I do to rectify the negative emotion to regulate it? I can say, you know what? I don't want to go to Hawaii or I mean to New York. I want to go to Hawaii and it regulates it, but you don't want to be in Hawaii. Right. But you also don't want to be stuck in a negative emotional state. So what do you do to rectify it? You change direction. Right. And that, that requires resiliency because it's challenging to go against friction and move in different direction. Where do we get that energy from? Negative emotion. Right. It's like frustration comes in, right? Exactly, because most people will not speak their truth or create necessary conflict in a calm, passive state, especially if they're temperamentally passive. So it's like, if you poke me, I might not say anything because it makes me uncomfortable, the thought of confronting you with the pokes. But if you poke me enough, frustration builds where finally I hit a threshold where I'm willing to speak regardless of the consequences. Like I might lose the friendship here but I'm going to speak up because it's worth it. And I do that from the place of frustration, right? Now there's anomalies where it can get overarched where you're, sure. you know, I'm like, I hate you. It's like, that wasn't necessary to say, right? But the, I hate you, the anomalies of when frustration, fear-based emotions or negative emotions aren't helpful is when they're not integrated. So they stack up, right? right? Your whole map gets dysregulated where you just blow everything up. Like, ah, oh, see, like negative emotions, not helpful. It's like, 
it's because we never integrated from the start. Yeah, that that negative emotion's been building to Vesuvius for the last twenty years, and just exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. All right, so so the key here is well, number one, we really it's it's critical for us to name something that's meaningful and worthy, and it's a worthy pursuit. Like that's really what the number one takeaway is here as far as creating fulfillment and vitalities. We don't want to focus on fulfillment and joy necessarily. We want to name the thing that's important to us, what's meaningful to us, what would be worthy for us to pursue. That's number one, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Next is emotions, right? Emotions have an ability to tell us when we're aligned with the pursuit of that and when we're not, when we're on track and when we're off track. And I like to think of it as like a navigation system, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I know you and I have had this conversation, but you know, you don't turn on your navigation system and hope that the navigation system is nice to you, that it doesn't tell you you made a wrong turn or you made a, you made the right turn. Like I only want it to tell me I'm doing a good job. I don't want it to tell me if I made a wrong turn. Nobody would engage with the navigation system that way. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. put in the destination they want to go to and they want this navigation system to tell them when they're moving in that direction when they're not. That's mm -hmm. our emotional communication system. It's like, hey, turn around. Hey, you said you wanted to go north. You're headed east. Like lights are shining. Like those are our emotions yelling and screaming at us. And to your point, the mistake that's being taught out there to so many people. And and again, it's evolving in. Well, we've had this conversation, Josh, right? Like it, it's evolving in a better direction, right? At a point in time, it was just dissociate from them, pretend they're not there, swallow the emotion and just like keep moving forward, right? Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as emotion, right? You know, like people that are just logical. I'm just, I, I don't have emotion, right? There's a whole generation of those people, right? And finally, we're like, yeah, no, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> I think it's important for us to acknowledge what we're feeling, right? And then we got to this place of accepting what we feel, right? But then we stop there. We say, okay, I accept what I feel. I do a breath. There's even this hack out there where, where you just breathe for 90 seconds and the emotion goes away, right? Mm -hmm. And what I think about when I think about that hack, right, it's like, being in your car, having the the dashboard lights going off saying, hey, your right back tire is, is losing air or you're leaking oil and you get these lights shining at you. And I say, oh, I, I know how to fix that. Just hold this button down in your car for 90 seconds and all those warning signals will turn mm -hmm. off in your car. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now you don't have to be bothered by them. It's mm -hmm. like, oh God, no. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because whatever it was trying to communicate didn't actually go away. Mm -hmm. Sooner or later, to your point, the tire blows or Vesuvius blows because mm -hmm. you can't you can't ignore the fact, like you said before, that you're out of alignment with what's really important to you. And there's no way to rationalize with narr with narratives to overcome something that biologically is screaming at us. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what I'd love to chat a little bit about here, Josh, is. The ultimate goal in this idea of not allowing emotions to get in the way of your joy and peace and love. Like there's this, mm -hmm. there's this, this thing out there. Number one, I mentioned it is this idea of acceptance mm -hmm. and not that there's not an important place for acceptance, but we've seen firsthand and I can say I've experienced it firsthand myself is when acceptance in this idea 
of un I'm unattached, right? This idea that, um, you know, the, the root of all suffering is attachment, mm -hmm. right? And, and so if I don't want to be, I don't want to suffer, or if I don't want to be stressed out, I just have to accept and be unattached, mm -hmm. right? And I just have to accept what is. And so I'd love mm -hmm. to talk a little bit about that because it definitely goes into this third thing I wanted to talk about here was just this whole way we position ourselves against this idea of stress, which definitely correlates to this whole idea of emotion. But what happens? What have, what have we experienced? What have we seen? I, again, I've experienced firsthand. Like, What happens when we focus on detaching from this emotional communication? Yeah, so I think if, if if we arbitrarily create a goal that's the absence of negative emotion, one of the things we have to do is disconnect from care because a byproduct of care is enrolling the emotional systems, right? So it's like, if I care about you and you dislike me, that will bother me, that will hurt me, right? And so if I continue wanting to have the goal of a good friendship and you continue to reject me, that's constant negative emotion. So I can say, okay, I don't want negative emotion ever again. I never want to this ever again. Okay, one of the ways you can do that is to never have another friend. Right. So is that the thing you want? So I think part of it is this, is this educational process that's needed when people start their journey of quote unquote goal setting. Cause if someone says, I just don't want to feel negative emotion again, it's like, okay, let's talk about what that entails. Cause that would entail living a life void of any meaning. Are you aware of that? No. Okay. So let's talk about that. Right. Cause if someone says that, like, Hey, I'm okay with the no meaning thing. I'm okay with like a completely lonely, isolated, meaningless existence. It's like, cool. There's, it's very simple then how to have constant peace with little fluctuations. Yeah. Right. And it requires a lot of dissociation, which sounds derogatory and weird. So let's call it acceptance. Right. <laughs> or um, call it enlightenment in some. Yeah, sense. exactly. Or just complete detachment. Right. Cause it's like, I'm, well, I'm acceptance. And I'm letting go. Well, letting go is, is another term for disconnection, yes. dissociation. I'm letting go. I'm disconnecting consciously from the things that I care about. So I'm unmoved by it. It's like, if that's someone's goal, great. But I don't think it's most people's goals. It's like, I want to have a meaningful life without the negative emotions. It's like, that's not how it works. The goal is to have something that makes the negative emotions worth it. Right. That's it, man. You just said it. Make the negative emotions worth it and use the negative emotions. And I just want to definitely highlight something you said there about care because I want to share with everybody who's listening the secret to never being stressed again, because there's one thing that has to be, I ask, I ask clients this all the time. I said, do you know the one thing that has to be there in order for you to be stressed? All we have to do is eliminate this one thing and you will never be stressed again. So everybody get your pen and paper out because I'm going to share with you the secret. The thing that has to be in the space in order for you to be stressed is you have to care. If you don't care, you won't be stressed. As I said, Josh, how stressed out were you that the uh, Phillies were losing to the Houston Astros this last weekend in the World Series? Were you stressed? Uh, no. The only people that were really stressed, and I would probably go really stressed, were the people in Philadelphia, right? Yeah. Because they care about their sports. They care about their Phillies and their Eagles. At least they have the Eagles right now. But, right, like, that, th they care. They were stressed because they care. And so if you want to not be stressed, stop caring. And I, and I, what I have seen and what Josh was speaking to there as well is no one's going to say, I don't care. What we do see people saying is, well, I'm just, I just accept. I, I'm just unattached. And that is a very dangerous path that, that we can go down and it, and it, and it results in complete dissociation and disconnected 
uh, from yourself, from your emotion, from um, from your authenticity, right? Part of being authentic to yourself is being true and honest to what you're feeling. But if those feelings are getting in a way of the goal of being peaceful all the time, then I have to disconnect from my authentic self. And mm-hmm. now we've created a diso- that, that, that dissociation. Um, and so that this kind of brings me to this last piece here, Josh, of stress, right? Mm-hmm. And, and because it definitely ties into the whole emotional game here and how I was on one, one personal development website. I can't remember which one it was. And their, their giveaway was, Hey, how to eliminate stress in 20 seconds or how to avoid stress. It was like, that was the thing they were selling. How do you just get a little of this stress? How do you turn it off? How do you get rid of it? Because stress is bad. And if you're stressed out, you got to learn how to turn it off. Mm. And the latest research on stress is, is quite fascinating um, and what they looked at, Aliyah Crum and her and her um, colleagues at Stanford were really kind of the leaders as, as far as this movement of the stress mindset theory. And they noticed this dichotomy of stress, right? There's, well, seems like the stress response up levels performance for some, in some cases, it increases your immunity and increases your well-being. It's like, well, that, okay, that, that happens. We see examples of that. But there's no shortage of research on, yeah, but stress like literally can kill you. It definitely has a negative effect on on your immune system. And it also is not good for your health. And it's also not great for your well-being. So what is going on here? Like what's the the differentiator? What makes one person kind of leverage the stress response? And what has somebody else get crushed by it? And it's quite fascinating what they found now is it's simply how you, your mindset towards stress, how, how mm-hmm. you orient to stress. So when, when I'm standing in the, you know, at the, at the shopping, uh, at the local grocery store, you know, checking out, you know, my groceries and I'm looking at all these magazines. And at one point in time, I remember looking at them, it was, everything was about stress, stress is bad, how to eliminate stress, get rid of stress and all this stuff. And it's literally that orientation that creates the 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 health uh, uh, deficits like they have literally shown that if you just orient to stress in a negative way it has a negative impact when you look at stress as an ally as a resource as something that your body is doing to support you to overcome something that you care about right mm-hmm. something's happening in your life that mean is meaningful to you and you like to influence something different there, it literally is mobilizing the resources of, you know, increases your heart rate, oxygen, you know, all these hormones that I, Josh, I would love you to talk about just kind of how that whole thing works with adrenaline and dopamine and, and, and oxytocin and how that, uh, that part just blows me away. All right. Like how, how oxytocin uh, is part of the stress response and what oxytocin does. Um, but, but the key here is we want to stop avoiding managing and turning stress off. And we really need to start to learn how to align and partner with stress and assume that it's there on our behalf. And I'd love for you, Josh, if you don't mind to kind of talk a little bit about the, 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 like what happens in the stress response that produces this ability to, you know, as an asset gives us these resources that we can really leverage to, to, to pursue what's meaningful to us. Yeah. So I would say that it starts with the recognition that something 
is wrong, right? There's, if there's a quote unquote stressor or something, a challenge or obstacle presented in our life, you might experience stress. It's like, oh, I want to go, here's, there's point B. I want to walk to point B. And then someone gets in my way. I might experience stress. And what is the stress designed to do? One, to pay attention, right? And I might even, it might even be coupled with an anxiety response, which increases my sensitivity to the information in the outside world. I'm scanning the environment way more acutely than I was prior to, to take in information so I can rectify the problem. Do I need to climb over this obstacle? Do I need to go through the obstacle? Do I need to go around an obstacle? Like there is something to handle, something to manage and stress increases performance for me to lean forward. Now, if an obstacle comes in, I'm going to stress. I'm like, oh, well, okay, hold on obstacle. Let me like manage my stress over here before it's like, no, stress is designed. The one thing designed to get you to move through things, right? Is stress is a buildup of energy. One of the, you know, one of the biological breakdowns when stress is a buildup of chronic high levels of chronic stress that's never integrated like the emotions we never use the energy to move forward it's just stuck in the body it think was. of like the yeah think like the trauma response too it's a buildup of energy that doesn't get moved right and so it's the same exact thing and <clears throat> you know one of the um one of the hormones that are secreted in the brain norepinephrine is designed to get you to move forward so sometimes when we're super excited about something people people know that the similarity and feeling between anxiety and excitement right and the difference between the two is that when you have it when you're excited that's norepinephrine which is present with anxiety but also has some dopamine right the absence of dopamine is just anxiety right high norepinephrine but that is designed to get you to move forward so one of the easiest ways to regulate that is to take action to correct or rectify the issues but when we now live in a world where the stress response is disconnected from the problems or challenges that we want to overcome and so we're just trying to ha handle this stuff in a silo, right? But just like frustration too, it's like you're going to start your journey in life towards the thing that you want. And you don't know it. You don't know how to get there, but you recognize the general direction. So then you move forward ignorantly. You take action and you're probably going to make mistakes. That's part of the process. What's an appropriate response for learning? What's an appropriate response when you make a mistake? Oh, just be in full acceptance because the best place to, the best place to learn is being centered and in peace. No, it's not. It's to have a stress or frustration response, which solidifies the learning, right? Because frustration or adrenaline, right, activates neuroplasticity in the brain so that you remember, it says you need to remember this. So you actually can integrate information learned much faster if you experience mild frustration when you make a mistake. But most people get lost in service, like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. I should accept this. It's all good. I shouldn't be frustrated. It's like, no, frustration is a necessary part of the journey. It's a gift. It literally yes. tells the brain, hey, it's time to learn something. Yes. Like it's it's wild, right? Like like and we shut that down. We mm -hmm. shut it down. Like the brain's like, oh my God, time to learn, time to grow, time to evolve, time to increase my capacity. No, 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 no. Yeah. Shut it down. We don't want to learn anything. We just want to be okay. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, mo mo uh, there was some of the more recent research on neuroplasticity shows that the likelihood of remembering something is like tenfold increase if you spike adrenaline post learning. <laughs> Where for years I've always heard like you want to get yourself into the best place to learn. It's all about priming yes. in order to get to learn. They're like, no, priming is almost irrelevant when it comes to learning. You learn or experience and then you follow it up with high stress or high norepinephrine and that solidifies in your nervous system, AKA trauma. Yeah. Right. Don't how many times, yeah. How many times do you have to learn that touching a hot stove hurts? Exactly. <laughs> if we look at what happens in the body after we touch it, 
creates neuroplasticity and learning. That's that's one trial learning. We don't have one trial learning in the brain with positive experiences because it's okay to learn more and explore in the area. But when we do something wrong, if it's painful enough and we allow the pain to exist, we can we can engage what's called one trial learning where we can literally remember it the rest of our life. Yeah, integrate the learning of the pain, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, one of the things we'll always, you'll hear us say if you keep continuing to hang out with us is uh, the people that try to avoid pain suffer for a long mm-hmm. time, right? Mm-hmm. When we when we accept that pain is part of the process of learning, however you want to define pain, whether it's that one trial learning or it's being frustrated or painful emotions, negative emotions, when we learn to ex- to ex- acknowledge and accept those things exist, learn how to use them and integrate them, then they're, 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 they're temporary things we leverage and we move on, right? But like you said, Josh, if we're continually trying to avoid these things that you can't avoid, you can only, only suppress them and puck them away. What that creates over time is a buildup of this energy that creates suffering, mm-hmm. right? In one shape, form, or fashion, whether it's being dissociated from life or it's manifest into disease over time. Like mm-hmm. you're not, you're not letting go of anything. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this, I, I let go of it. I'm letting go of my insecurity. I've let go of that. Right. This mm-hmm. idea that exists out there in the space that I have this thing that's wrong with me, this destructive pattern called insecurity or self doubt. Right. We've gotten yeah. into these conversations. Of people are like, Matt, I'm about to start this new thing. And there's just a part of me that that doesn't believe I can do it. And my self-doubt pattern is coming up and I need to just shut that pattern down. I'm like, no, God, no, you should be doubting yourself right now. That's mm-hmm. a good communication. You're about to do something you've never done before. There's a reason why the communication mm-hmm. system saying, whoa, mm-hmm. pay attention here. We need to prepare ourselves to do the thing we've never done before. Right. Mm-hmm. Like this is the piece that's missing out there. And, and not only is it missing, but we're doing the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. We're, we're instructing people to suppress these things and say, yeah, don't let your fear overcome you. Don't let your self doubt overcome you. It's like, no God, man, like we it's, we, we're overcorrecting here. Right. Yeah. It's not about shutting it down. It's about stopping and listening. Mm-hmm. Hmm, what is this communicating to me? Why am I feeling doubt? Maybe I should be doubting myself because I don't have the skill set or the capacity to start a new business that I've never done before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It's like that's probably a healthy thing to think, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's such that's such a powerful idea because and it's so easily misconstrued out there. It's like we're we're going out into the wilderness. We're finding people who are lost. And it's like, you're upset. You should be upset. You're lost. The probability that you're going to die is increasing. And you, you know that you should be afraid, right? You should be paying attention. It's like, okay, now here's the next evolution of emotion from suppress it. Like pretend it's not there. You're fine. We're past that. Right. But then we're into you're scared. It's okay to be scared. Just accept that you're scared. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now. Okay. Okay. You feel better. Okay. Um, now that we've, now that you know how to deal with emotions, I'll see you later. Like, hello, I'm still lost. It's like, wait, wait, what are you feeling again? Well, I'm scared all over again. Oh, that must be a pattern because you were scared yesterday too. And you were scared the day before. Do you see how it doesn't matter where you go? You're always scared. Yeah. It's because you're always lost. Destructive pattern is not a destructive pattern. It's communication that's not integrated. You're exactly. You're still off track. Off track. Something's wrong. And 
no one, the psyche will not allow you to stay in a, in a, in a perpetual negative emotional state. So what's the most common way to regulate ourselves in a chronic negative emotional state? Psychological dissociation in the form of narrative. Hmm. I have to tell myself a story. It's like, oh, I'm not lost. I'm meant to be on the path, this path. This is my path or else I wouldn't be here. The universe like, put me here for a reason. Exactly. It's like, do you feel better? Yeah. Does it have any connection to the truth? No. This is the willful blindness and a little bit of the toxic positivity. Yes. Comes in, right? Yeah. Because willful blindness is you could have known. You could have known that you were lost the whole time, but you weren't sure if your psyche could handle that and how to rectify the issue. So what you did as this the safe temporary route is to say, maybe, maybe I deserve this. Maybe I'm so, supposed to be here. Right. Think of like a toxic relationship. Someone's in a toxic relationship. It's like, well, wherever I'm at is where I'm supposed to be. It's like, okay, so, um, hey, Matt, I haven't been in a good place lately and I'm struggling in a relationship. You say, well, Josh, that's because you're manifesting this. It's the next stage of your evolution and this is all perfect timing, right? It's like, okay, well, just to clarify what's happening, my partner beats me every day with a baseball bat. I just wanted to clarify so you know. You're like, oh, yeah, exactly. I was saying this is what you need and you for your growth. It's like, that's what I need. You're like, oh, you wouldn't say that anymore, right? It's like, why not? There's a line that we crossed. Now it's not helpful, right? So it's like, Maybe I don't need to accept it. Maybe I need to rectify the issue. And until I rectify the issue, the negative emotional system will let me know. Unless I can close my eyes and say, I deserve this. I'm meant to be here. I deserve this. Because saying that will actually dim the negative emotion in the short term, which is a great short-term strategy to prevent insanity. Sure. But it's a horrible long-term strategy. Yeah. And, and, and you become dependent on that strategy. Or you reach the ultimate end to that road, which is dissociation, like you said. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Complete dissociation because the, it's like there's a whole, whenever you experience negative emotion, you're, it's like the second you realize you're lost in the forest, it's like anxiety. What happened right there? You just had the recognition that you might be lost, which means, but you have a map. So there might be, there's a hole in the way that you're looking at the map, or there's a hole in the way you're looking at reality. So there's a hole somewhere. And you need to rectify the issue, but you don't know how far the issue goes. Are you five minutes off track? Or 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> now, could your psyche handle the recognition that you might be 50 years off track and you were blind to it the whole time? Like that is a, such a scary thing, mm-hmm. right? It's one thing to have a local mistake. It's like, I just turned right 10 seconds ago. I should turn left. That's what's very local. It has nothing to do with you. It's like, how about everyone in your life is not who they thought they, you thought they were. Everyone who you thought trusted you doesn't. They all things behind your back, which means you're not the person you thought you were, which means the future that you thought you're going towards doesn't exist. Like, could your psyche handle that? Probably not. Right. It could, it could cause a psychotic break. A lot of support. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we've seen so many people in the situation where it's like so much of what I was, what I was building my frameworks in life on were predicated on certain belief structures that were just undermined. And if I, if they go deep enough, where do they go? Where does the deepness go to myself? What if I'm not who I thought I was? Yeah. It's right? a scary thing, it's, man. I don't blame yeah. people for opting out of that, especially mm-hmm. if they're not in a proper environment to be comforted and integrated back to themselves, right? Because at the end of the day, it's finding, it's finding the road back to you, mm-hmm. right? At the end of the day, that to me, that's it's what it's all about is, yeah. is, is getting reconnected back to ourselves if we find that we've disconnected for some reason and part of mm-hmm. the disconnection, why we're sharing this, why Josh and I created the courses we've created together, why I wrote this book is because we really want to give people an opportunity 
to connect back to themselves. And, and one of the ways we can connect back to ourselves is through our emotional communication, because it is the strongest indicator telling us where we are. And, and to Josh's point, it can also go back years and it can say, Hey, it's been 30 years and we haven't acknowledged this emotional communication, nor have we integrated it right now. Yeah. Obviously those are specific scenarios that require specific type of support and, and um, you know, integration, but, but we have to start to look at these communications as not a, uh, a malfunction of, of who we are, but they're actually there trying so hard to support us and point in the direction that is really truly meaningful and what we really want. That's mm-hmm. that, 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 that the thing like our biology knows a lot more than we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we should start to pay attention to it and assume that it's, that it might be working on our behalf. It's not working against us. I, I used to have a saying at my clinic, man, and I, I you say this to myself, let's just assume if I'm feeling something, whether it's a pain in my body, whether it's some kind of symptom, whether it's an emotion that I'm feeling it because it's trying to help me. It's here because it's trying to support me to move in a direction that's most meaningful and purposeful to me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what we'd love. We, we're, we, we're, we're, that's what our mission has been this last year. Would you agree, Josh? Like just trying to, and not only for people, but for ourselves, man, right? Like we have, we have really dove into these spaces and continue to geek out about these things. And I was just telling Josh the other day, I just, we'll get on the phone with each other twice a week and we just talk about stuff and challenge each other's thoughts or, and, you know, dive down different, you know, topics and research or books, you know, I've got so many, I don't know how many books you have on your shelf that you're still reading, right? It just never ends. Um, but one of the foundational principles that I, that, that I, that I've lived by and, and just continue to reinforce when it comes to vitality is learn how to work with your system, with your body. And let's not assume that this thing's against us. Let's, let's just assume that this thing's working on our behalf across the board. And so big takeaways from today, Josh, what would you say they are, man? Oh man. Um, yeah. Never start with it. I'll start where you end it. It was basically never start with the assumption that you're flawed right? Start that things are working properly, um, and specifically your emotions. Um, obviously you have to have a realistic ideal. You have to have a goal that's meaningful that you're aiming at, right? And you have to trust the emotional system that it's communicating to you properly. And if the emotion, negative emotion is perpetual in your life, it's because what you thought you did to rectify the emotion was not appropriate enough, Mm -hmm. right? So like something's still wrong. I thought I named the right problem and I fixed it. Well, maybe that wasn't the right problem, right? And so, give yourself time to explore and just assume that there's something wrong, right? Like going back to the stress thing, some people have heightened stress and a lack of oxytocin because they need connection more. It's like, maybe I feel negative emotion because I need to go, I need to call a friend. And I call that friend. I'm like, ah, oh, like I was, that's what I was missing. Right. This happens all the time. I'm always like feeling, I tell a man, I'm like, Hey, I remember, I, remember I was yesterday. I figured it out. It's like, I called my mom for five minutes. I'm like, it's back. Right. I was missing something. I wasn't sure. So give yourself permission to explore and navigate your system so that you don't get lost in the woods and you can learn to navigate yourself without being overly dependent to your point on any random person in the forest who's saying, follow me. I know a way, right? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, um, 
you know, as I mentioned, you know, Josh and I have, have been working together over the last year. And if, if you are interested in any of the things we're up to, Josh has got classes. Um, we've created arena method together at the beginning of the year. Um, and we've designed some courses on all the things we we've communicated about here. Um, and arena method is actually based on the quote that's over my right shoulder here. Um, which is the man in the arena quote, which is basically kind of the embodiment of what we're talking about, uh, which is a, about being in the arena and, and getting in the arena of life and pursuing something worthy of the fight, worthy of mm -hmm. the blood, sweat, and tears. It's not about staying in the stands and avoiding the blood, sweat, and tears. It's about getting in there and finding the thing that's worthy to pursue. Mm -hmm. And now the blood, sweat, and the tears is like, you know, it's totally worth it. It's like, it's, it's almost like when you work out and you're, and you're, and you got a sweaty, sweaty shirt, you're like, yeah, man, it was worth the effort. I got stronger. I accomplished the thing that was meaningful to me. And so Josh and I have both loved that quote for a long time. That's why we called it arena method. And that's really what these courses are all based on. So if you want to find out more about Josh and his classes, um, arena method.com. And what's the other website? Josh is it just Joshua Guerrero.com. Yeah, Josh Guerrero.co. It's Josh, Josh Guerrero.co. I'll put it in the, the notes here. Um, and, uh, yeah, stay tuned for more. We'll definitely, uh, have Josh back on and, and talk more, uh, more about this, uh, these, these different ideas and concepts of, of, of mental quote unquote health, uh, which is a term like you'll see in the title, don't strive for mental health. And the reason why we're saying that is because um, there really is no, no destination called mental health. Um, it definitely, you know, goes into the whole category of pursuing mental health as like pursuing peace. Mm -hmm. it, it's not a useful thing to focus on. And there's really no such destination as mental health. Um, find something that's worthy to pursue, find meaning. And yeah, there's, there's, there's people there's out there that can support you. Um, and uh, we're here. Uh, of course, and we'll continue to be here. Uh, so thanks everybody for, for joining us on uh, this episode and uh, we'll definitely have Josh back on and everybody uh, get out there, get busy living and we'll see you in the next, next uh, health to vitality episode. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the health to vitality podcast. Make sure to follow us and leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you enjoy what you're hearing and we look forward to seeing you next time. Have a great day.